are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. Say go New York, go New York, go. Go New York, go New York, go. Say go New York, go New York, go. Go New York, go New York, go. Well, just like that, look who's back in the mix, straight out of New York City. It's the and as if the tri-state area could not get more electric this time of year. Uh, Matt and I come on here, want to talk about the Knicks, want to talk about the Devils-Rangers series right now, Yankees-Mets season underway, and verbatim, as soon as we get on, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, official, uh, Adam Schefter tweeting out the, the trade detail, um, I'll read it out for you right now, Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets, um, the Jets give up number, pick number 13, a 2023 second round pick, which is pick number 47, a sixth round pick, pick number 207, and then a 2024 second round pick that becomes a first if Rodgers plays 60% of the plays, uh, where Matt and I are going to assume it's during the duration of his contract. So, wow, a lot of things going on there in just a small, you know, little sentence or run on sentence even now we could say, but Matt, I'll start it as I always do. What's going on? How do you feel about all this? What's going on? Uh, it's nice to finally just have it over with because it was just kind of something that was hanging over my head. And the more time that went on, just kind of knowing uh, what Rogers is about. I mean, I'll be honest, I started to get a little bit nervous. Um, but what you just said, which was the question that I asked you as soon as we got on in pre-show, I think that's important. So I, I really would like to know if that stipulation, the what was it, 60% or 65% of the plays, um, I would like to know if that counts over the next two years, the duration of his contract, because, you know, he could play 100 uh, percent of the snaps this year and then retire after the season. And then, you know, you're giving away a first round pick for him on top of everything else. So but I don't even want to think about that right now. It's just it's nice to have it over with because it was starting to just get annoying. Um, it kind of stinks that this isn't as celebratory as it would have felt if it just happened immediately. But no, I mean, we're going to be able to watch the Jets play the same sport on that side of the ball as everyone else does, I think. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's it's definitely. And, and again, with everything else going on that we're definitely going to talk about, uh, it's crazy to think that this is just like just going to go right along the lines of everything else. Playoff series, just all of this baked in, you know, a couple months ago, we're over here saying, all right, what do you want to talk about? There's not really much going on now. We have almost too much to talk about. Um, but one thing I will say, kind of a small, uh, a small point, uh, Adam Schefter tweeting out the trade compensation. Um, and in the tweet, Rogers is wearing, uh, obviously a superimposed image. Rogers is wearing number eight. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that means. means (laughs) If you want to read into that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Just kind of interesting that eight is the number that uh, I don't know. Maybe there, there's something, something there. If I know, I know people care about it. That's the only reason well, that, I bring it that up. Was just, I think it was just the number that he wore in college, and also Elijah Moore is gone. I feel like it was kind of just an assumption, sort of, sort of number there. May you think you think Elijah Moore giving up his number was like the last piece the Jets needed to get the trade done? <laughs> no, they just I mean, need to get the he, okay. He wore it in college, and the number is available. So I think it was a uh, you know just if you were going to make an assumption. Yeah, hey, you're right. Um, Look, I don't. I don't really give a shit to be quite honest. What number he no. could wear? He could wear ninety. He could wear a hundred. He'd be the first three digit no. player, and I wouldn't he could care. Wear negative a hundred, and I wouldn't. Care. <laughs> exactly. Um, a decimal. So we'll. So we're. I would definitely wanted to cut short. Uh, we can go. Obviously, go on and on about you know now what the jet outlook really is, but we yeah. feel like we've done that enough. Yeah. And um, we got time. Let's. 
yeah, we have uh, plenty of time before football starts. We'll definitely uh, we'll have we'll be back probably for whatever draft recap we have. Uh, I know the Giants are Giants and Jets both. I mean, not really so much the Jets now, but the Giants definitely a little bit of an intriguing uh, position that they're in uh, regarding the draft. So we'll get some NFL as the season uh, come as the off season goes on. Um, but the only number in mind right now is for me is number one. The Knicks need one more win to close out uh, what many would consider, Las Vegas included, a uh, an underdog victory in, in a series. Uh, the Knicks, again, up 3-1 now. Uh, Matt and I, we spoke prior to the series, and we both gave the Knicks a real, real shot to win this series. And a lot of the things that we said are coming to fruition. Uh, and some, some aren't. You know, we haven't been spot on. I thought quickly would have a much bigger series. He's disappeared. And honestly, if you told me that, you know, Julius Randle was good for, you know, a half of a game and nothing else, and but the Knicks were up 3-1, I wouldn't believe you. So kind of a little bit of a uh, an anomaly of a series we've got in our hands, but nonetheless, one game away. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I guess we can call it, you know, underdog, but I feel like that line is sort of just, it's just the home court thing, right? So the Knicks win uh, game one, and then they're immediately favorites. Um Kind of like the Devils were favored over the Rangers. They dropped game one and, you know, then the Rangers are favorites. It's not like Golden State who are down 0-2 and, and, and they were still favorited somehow. Um, but no, I mean, I think you have to feel great to protect the Garden uh, in back-to-back games. I, I mean, I, I'm elated. Yeah, I mean, how, what more can you say about, I think, you know, I've been on, on here uh, on side conversation talking about, I, I think verbatim my quote like the middle of the year was, I don't know if, how much I believe in Tom Thibodeau. I, I don't couldn't tell if he was the guy or not. But, you know, they uh, here I am, proven wrong, and couldn't be happier about it because uh, I think Thibodeau's pulled all the right strings. I thought I gained a lot of respect for Tom Thibodeau last or two nights ago watching the uh, – was it two nights ago or last night? I'm losing my mind. Talking about the game where Derek Rose came in? That was yesterday during the day, 1 o'clock. That's why I was throwing, throwing it off. I was thinking, no, no, the game uh, – yesterday's game. I thought it, I couldn't think it was the night before or yesterday during the day. It was the one o'clock tip, and the I was in the fourth quarter. Quite frankly, Julius Randle got benched, and it was the right move. And I thought that Thibodeau gained a lot of my respect there because you know for a long time during the regular season, there were times where I felt like you know Thibs would like cede his his power and his voice to to Randle, and it was kind of was like the Randle show with Thibs in the background. But now, I think not. It could be a testament to their relationship, or maybe just. Thibs' expertise going to the playoffs, but Thibs is pulling the right strings, and benching Randall was was one of them, and it, very impressed by it. I, you know, that was my big note out of Game Three. Yeah, and they're getting back to the Thibodeau roots of of just playing great defense. I mean, this has been the the lowest scoring series in uh, I guess all the NBA, um, and it's kind of the theme that we talked about. I feel like we've just always said, listen, Donovan Mitchell can, and not like Donovan Mitchell's dropping thirty every night either. But yeah, he was bad yesterday. Let him do whatever he wants. He can drop 40 on you, control everyone else, and you should be fine. And yeah, that's what they've done. Yeah, it's and honestly, I think uh, I've heard a couple of, you know, talking heads. Stephen A kind of mentioned this this morning on first take. But I agree. I think that the garden really played a factor into that because, you know, you don't get guys. Donovan Mitchell has scoring two points in the second half on, you know, any given night. That just doesn't that kind of stuff doesn't happen for Donovan Mitchell. So the only thing that was kind of the outlier was Madison Square Garden yesterday in the second half was a madhouse. And, uh, I mean, you and I weren't there, but, I mean, just through the TV, you could tell uh, 
the place was crazy. It was insane. And obviously, I mean, to me, it was pretty, pretty obvious that it got to them. Not only Donovan Mitchell, but uh, beginning of the game, Darius Garland. I think that the play style of the Knicks where they're, again, like we said, very hard-nosed, get to the paint, body everyone up. I think that's really, you know, it really comes out when uh, the garden is going crazy and everyone's getting, everyone's feeling, you know, the adrenaline's pumping and everyone's trying to be as physical as they can. That benefits the Knicks. And I think as long as, you know, that energy is brought to this series, the Cavs are going to have a tough time defending the Knicks. And it's, it's point blank. You know, they, they have, I even was sold on the fact that the Knicks might have a tough matchup inside with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen in the center. But really what the Knicks have done to neutralize that is they've just bodied them up. Whether it's Mitchell Robinson, Josh obviously Hart. Josh Hart getting offensive rebounds, Julius Randle. I mean, it's it's like typical just boxes and elbows everywhere. And, uh, you know, I think they kind of is catching the Cavs off guard. Yeah. How about uh, how about Darius Garland going uh, four of 21 from the field the other night? Yeah, well, he he like he's an interesting one because I, I think he's I've always thought he was like almost underrated for how, how well he he plays. I think he should, he should, and might in the future have his own team in which he's the point guard for. Um, but yeah, again, I just think that's an ode to the guarding crowd. It, it has to be whether it's Donovan Mitchell in the second half falling off or Darius Garland in the first half falling off, uh, the crowd didn't change. So, uh, I, again, I, and the thing is like, I would, I would be a little less down if like, you know, let's say like the Knicks were, were, it was two, two, right. And the Knicks only one at home. I think I'd be a little less down on them because, you know, they, they, yeah, they defended their home court, but that's kind of like what you're supposed to do. Like my, my parents always explained to me, like, you know, I'd have friends to get report card, like money for having good report cards. It's like, no, you're not supposed to be rewarded for a good report card. You're supposed to, you're supposed to just get a good report card, not get rewarded for something you're supposed to do. But for me, it's like winning that game on the road with the Knicks. I'm going to reward them a little bit because that, that really showed me something, not just defending and doing what they're supposed to do. Does that make oh, sense? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, they say season doesn't start until uh, someone wins on the road, and they did that immediately. So yeah. they put themselves in an excellent position to begin with. Um, looking ahead, because I, I think I'm ready to look ahead. Um, we we want to see Miami, right? I think I think you definitely do want to see Miami because you don't want anything to do with Giannis, regardless of health. To be yeah, honest, and, uh, yeah, I, I guess so. But so you you head into next series, and like we just said, the Knicks are kind of controlling these games defensively. And I understand how well the Knicks have played Miami this season. Is there still sort of a part of you that's like, that's like, well, I mean, this is Cleveland, and when you you face a real offensive juggernaut, that's not going to work. Um, so I, I'll be I'd be lying if I say I wouldn't be skeptical. Um, I just think that you know my skepticism of the Knicks is always going to be, you know, how their offense can can hang with offenses that actually figure out their defense. And I think that, you know, the Cavs are not that team. They have, they have Donovan Mitchell, they have Darius Garland, but um, they're just, to me, they're just not that team that that's going to explode for crazy offense. Like a team like, uh, I don't know, like the Bucks could, or um, the Celtics can, they could have, you know, two 30 point scores a night and no one would bat an eye. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I, I think, am I ready to look forward to the next series? No, because at the end of the day, it's the Knicks, uh, you know, the cra- crazier stuff has happened. Uh, we've, we've seen in our lifetime, 
uh, a 3-1 series lead. Obviously not in this early of the playoffs. It's a little different, but um, we've seen the in the infamous Cavaliers come back. But you, look, anything can happen. Um, I do have a bone to pick with the NBA a little bit, though, before we uh, before we start to move on to, towards the NHL. So throughout the year, all we get through the entire NBA season is load management. LeBron doesn't play back-to-backs. Kawhi doesn't play back-to-backs. And then here we are in the playoffs, and these let me read you the injuries suffered so far during the playoffs, in which a player has missed at least one game. Joel Embiid, knee. Giannis Antetokounmpo, back. John Morant, hand. Kawhi Leonard, knee. De'Aaron Fox, finger. Tyler Hero, out for the rest of the postseason, hand. I don't, I'm not buying load management in the NBA. I'll t- and I'll say this. I will. I, I want to buy into it because I'm. I'm for you know forward thinking of you know health and forward thinking of you know the longevity of players' careers. If you could tell me that you know I won't ever see LeBron in a back to back, but I'll get an extra five years of watching LeBron, I'll sign up for that any day of the week. I think it's silly to not. But show me the proof because I think that you know this this playoffs among many others. I can't. I don't even want to go through the the amount of injuries in the past that we've seen, but. Uh, you know, I'm starting to get at the the not the skepticism of load management. I mean, I think it's just, especially basketball, where there's so much jumping, so many ankles turning, so many pivoting and changing of direction. You know, very it's all body weight too, so it's not you know you're not you know, have a helmet on. There's really no protection per se. You know, I'm starting to get a little skeptical. Show me, start showing me the proof, and I'll start believing that load management will is really going to benefit these players because. There, it is just getting to a point where it's ridiculous. I'm almost watching half of of a product. Well, if you want to make the argument for load management to me about the regular season, I get it. But really, in the playoffs, is that gonna? And I mean, you bring up LeBron, and we could talk about LeBron load management today at age 38. But even when LeBron was on the back nine, I mean, we've watched him not miss a game in the playoffs, and also have a game or two where he didn't come off the floor. And, you know, LeBron's, LeBron's different, so, uh, you know, I guess he's not the, the comparative for anyone. But, no, I mean, I'm not buying into it either. It's it's silly, and it's the playoffs. It's just it can't get to the point where we're watching playoff games and it's still happening. Yeah, and, and it's it's not even like it's – it'd be one thing for – think about it like this. Like, all these bench players, obviously they don't play a lot of minutes or as many minutes as the Stars, but – you don't really hear these guys, you know, getting all these crazy injuries that much. You, these guys, you guys like just think about the Knicks, like Emmanuel quickly pretty much has been available every single game. Right. Uh, you know, guys that are guys that aren't playing as many minutes. M- maybe it's maybe the answer is somewhere in the middle of, you know, guys not playing as often, maybe uh, lessening the amount of games, but keeping the schedule date times the same as far as the NBA schedule. I don't really know the answer off the top of my head, but I think that, you know, as load management progresses, you'd like to start seeing some results in the playoffs for the players. You know, Kawhi can, is able to go a full seven games without sitting one. I, I haven't seen that in years. Uh, so it's it's really – I think it's not a good look for the NBA. And um, uh, But, again, I'm, I'm honestly happy, you know, knock on wood, obviously, that the Knicks are in the position that they're in up 3-1. Everyone's seemingly healthy. But, uh, you know, I just – would hate to see uh, this series be be taken away or such a good series be taken away by a big injury like one of these yeah so uh, what is it Miami's up two to one right now I believe they're in Milwaukee tonight am I right there yeah um the next game of the series is 
they're not the Heat are actually hosting tonight. The Heat lead the series um, right. two to one, which is interesting game. Giannis is back, but you know how much of that is is him actually being back versus how much is of that is is him you know saying we can't go down three one. You know we got to win this game, sort of thing. Um, and then Memphis at the Lakers again. That's the late game tonight. Uh, Lakers made an absolute statement last game against the Grizzlies. Um, they they really just took it to him, and I think Dylan Brooks had a lot of egg on his face. Um, other than that, I think there's a couple other series that, to my in my mind, might actually be done for uh, tomorrow. Celtics at home. Uh, hosting the the Hawks in Game Five, Celtics up three one. Uh, the Nuggets hosting the Timberwolves, Nuggets up three one. Suns up three one, hosting the Clippers. So tomorrow, you there's potential that there's three series that end tomorrow in in five games. Um, yep. So you know, I think what have you thought about the NBA playoffs so far as a whole product? No, I think it's been great. I think there's been a lot of great games. I think there's been some good series there, especially for the first round. I think there's been a lot more competitive basketball than, I don't know, than you would normally see, especially maybe in, in other sports. So I, I've liked it a lot. Yeah, I, I think that this this season, uh, other than, you know, many other, not many others in the past, but at least the past, like, you know, five, six years, it's really felt like, you know, every day I wake up and I have a new idea of like, wow, they, they might win. You know, the Lakers out outscored the the Grizzlies 35 to 9 the other night in the first quarter and I said to myself if this Lakers team's going to play with this intensity they might win the whole thing why not yeah, um yeah. you know and I've and even when the you know when the Warriors are clicking they look amazing the Bucks healthy they look amazing um and not for nothing like I don't want to be the you know this guy to say that the Knicks are going to the finals but when the Knicks start clicking and you know you get a good Randall game you get a good Brunson game, RJ steps up, which is again an undersung hero of this whole series. Um, and let's say Emmanuel quickly or Obi Toppin has a good game. Mitchell Robinson doing his thing. Shout out to Mitchell Robinson; he's just an absolute anchor. But you know, when the Knicks are clicking on, on all cylinders, I get that you know same taste in my mouth where it's like, wow, this team like if they're clicking, they're they're tough. They're going to be a tough out for sure. Yeah, no. I, I so think, and the, the Knicks are back in action Wednesday, I believe, in Cleveland. Yeah, uh, I believe it's Wednesday in Cleveland, uh, okay. which th- I would love for them to end in Cleveland. I think that would yeah, be great. I know. Just, I was just going to say that because, you, you, listen, you can't pick your, your opponent, but I think best case scenario for the Knicks is, I mean, the team you want to play is up 2-1 and Giannis is coming back tonight. So maybe those teams just beat each other up and the Knicks get to end this thing quick and sit back and wait. I think that's that's really what you're looking for if you're the Knicks. Yeah, I, and I, honestly, I don't even want the – like, I don't want to get to a game six – with the fear of a possible game seven, hundred percent. like that's, the, that's the worst. And you know, obviously the garden is going to be up and we already spoke about that, but you, you know, I, I, the, a big reason, and you know, I haven't really said this, but a big reason I'm kind of still fearful of all this. I've been kind of reserved and quiet about, you know, this whole series because uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell is an absolute superstar that has had really bad games and the Knicks have, you know, they've won those games. Sure. But yeah, the game, you know, you're one one Donovan Mitchell killer performance away from you know having an almost even series. Yeah. So you hope, that, you hope that they don't hang in there, and then that killer performance happens in a game seven. But on the other side of the and tweet, the Garden you know, doesn't the Garden obviously. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but the I Garden know. I think I, is it definitely affected Donovan Mitchell in that that game. But I don't want to test it again. I I'm not sold on you know Donovan Mitchell can't play in big scenarios. I don't I don't 
agree with people that are saying that. I think no. that he just had a bad game, and I think that no. like, let's leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, but but you know, we're saying you know Donovan Mitchell hasn't played well, and the Knicks are lucky to be. You know, I mean, we look at, at game one that they won, and even I mean spots here and there. I don't think the Knicks have played great basketball this series either. No, they they really haven't. They honestly, it hasn't been it hasn't been the best Knicks basketball of no. of the season. I mean, they they've they've withstanded Julius Randle kind of falling off in a way. I, you know, his falling off is like an average game, but in order to go for any sort of run here this postseason, you're gonna need Julius Randle to put up Julius Randle numbers. Um, but uh, f- again, full fully confident in the Knicks. Um, I again even. At this point, I guess the last question I'll ask about them is, if the Knicks, God forbid, lose this series, does your tenor change on the whole season? I You'd have to give me a week to digest <laughs> it. Because, like, not I, I want to say no because, you know, I mean, it just it's night and day. Even from when they made the playoffs a couple years ago, I mean, this is a team with, like, a true point guard that's an actual good basketball team. They're not just riding on defense like we always say and kind of – you know, winning games that they weren't supposed to in the regular season. This, this is a good basketball team, but I mean, you know, I, I, there would be a really poor taste in my mouth to, to blow a 3-1 lead. And, you know, it just kind of reeks of same old Knicks and right back where we started kind of thing. But I, I don't think I'd look at the season as a failure because I guess you always get to fall back on, well, hey, you know, they were underdogs going into that series anyway. So, yeah, I, I kind of part of me agrees, but then part of me is like, you get you get the three wins and you're one away and you can't close it out. That's yes, you know that's that's disappointing to me. Um, let's smooth transition over to again. I can't believe this is like a, a a B story now, but the Devils and the Rangers playing each other in a playoff series. Uh, to me, look, I'll give my novice opinion first. Um, the Devils are down two one. The Rangers are home tonight at the Garden, um, seven o'clock. And I'll say this, I think that the first two games and, like, the first two periods of the third game, the Devils looked like they didn't belong. Well, what I'll say about the first game is they got outscored by a lot, the Devils. But, like, just in terms of, like, time of possession and things like that, the Devils, like, really sort of outplay. And this will happen in hockey sometimes. The Devils kind of, in game one, that they lost by a, a pretty wide margin. For periods two and three, they really dominated the puck. They kind of looked like the better team. Um, but, you know, sometimes you're going to lose a game like that. That's fine. Uh, so they dropped two at home. The second game, they did not belong. That second game in New Jersey that the Rangers just, they, they dominated the puck the entire game. Um, and game three was fun. I mean, it's it's not a, there, there hasn't been a, a team to win at home yet. So part of me just being, um, you know, a casual hockey fan who doesn't really have a, a dog in the fight. I'd kind of like to see the Devils knot this up at two. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, going into the series, the Devils were favorites. So kind of like we talked about with the Knicks, you know, the Rangers win game one, they take away home ice, and now it's just been all Rangers. So, I mean, I'm not counting the Devils out, but it would have to be, they would have to make that final statement tonight uh, and then head back to New Jersey. And then I think if you're a Ranger fan, you're starting to shake a little bit, you know, regardless of how confident you felt and how good you looked in those first you know, most of game one and all game two, I think you start to, you know, you start to shake a little bit. Well, so now what did you, what did you feel about the devils uh, making big goalie switch for game three? I didn't agree with it at the time. I didn't get it. Um, but that, you know, that's another cool, just a cool sports story to watch that kid. I think he's 21 years old and you just bring him into a game at the garden against the Rangers. And it's like do or die. 
and he kind of stood on his head a little bit, and he played really well. I guess, I guess he's in net tonight. I would think. I'm not sure. He he is. He is. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I thought again, much much more novice of a hockey fan than you, but again, I've been locked into the series. I've watched every every second of every single game, and will continue to do so. Um. But I just thought that sometimes there were like the the Rangers just looked like bigger. Like, like they are a bigger team. I know, I understand that, but like, you know, when they're fighting in, in, in on the boards or they're, they're fighting even in close to the goal, it, it looked like the Rangers were almost like the aggressor the whole time. And it's like the devils had their times where, you know, they would, they would be able to get around the aggressiveness. And Jack Hughes is amazing. He's, he, you know, just watching him again, from my point of view is, you know, he's, he's a very fun watch. You know, just skating past people. Like they're not even there. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing to watch. And, and I feel like they've done, you know, he had the one, uh, the one penalty shot in game one. Was it, I believe that kind of uh, was like a morale booster. Yeah, it was one or two, but I think they were down like by four goals or something. Yes. Yeah, so it was, it was just a morale boosting goal, but you know, he, I, I think he's a, he's a force. And I think for the devils, it's pretty obvious to see what the Rangers are doing. It's like anyone but Hughes is kind of what the Rangers are doing defensively. It's just like, let's body him up. Let's, you know, he's a, he's a small kid, I guess they're going to body him up crash. You know, every time he he's close to one of our guys, let's get a body on him and let's make him feel us. And I think that obviously it might sound obvious, but the devil's way to kind of counteract that is get someone else involved. And now who that someone else is, that's going to, you know, going to take the reins. That's to be seen who, who scored the, uh, who scored the the game winning goal last game? Uh, was that Dougie Hamilton, the defenseman? Yeah, yeah, he, and he, I, from what I understand, he's like a very streaky great player. player. He's great though. Yeah, and yeah, Dougie Hamilton with the score and I uh, and then the assist, I believe, um, in the same game. But uh, nonetheless, you like the you like the Rangers or the Devils tonight? I think I like the Rangers tonight. I just like I said, I think they're a better team. I was talking to some of my friends about this. I don't really get why the devils were favored to win the series in the first place. And I know you've been watching these games. So have you seen any of those graphics that they'll put up where like just about the comparison of like experience between these two teams? No, but I, I understand it. Like I I haven't seen those graphics, but I do understand it. Yeah. And the Rangers, I mean, they have some great talent. They have some like real good veteran talent. Uh, You know, obviously the Criders, the Panarins, the Zibanejads, even Patrick Kane is kind of finding his groove and, you know, he's a little limited nowadays, but he's kind of finding his place and he found the net once. Um, the Devils are probably two years ahead of schedule to even be here. They're one of the youngest teams in the NHL, if not the youngest, and they'll be back. I mean, they, they could get bounced uh, over the next two games, and I think they could feel great about their season. Uh, the pressure is on the Rangers here, though. So I'm, I'm taking the Rangers tonight just because, like, I mean, how, how do you lose two at the Garden? You can't. You're a, you're a better team than this club. You just are. So. Yeah, my, my pick would be Rangers, and I'll even give you a score. I think the Rangers win six to two. I think it's like a real like, all right, the other night was fun. This is this is how this is going to go now. So now, is it crazy to ask if you foresee a gentleman sweep? I would probably, I would think so. Yeah. Okay. I just think I, they're better. I mean, I, I even I, I expected them to win last night. Even you know when we went into overtime, I was like, well, the Rangers have the the goal scorers here. So and and um, I, and it's very obvious to see. Again, from my point of view, the Rangers just have the better goalie as well. That's oh, that's really not it's it's not even a question. But obviously, in the playoffs, it becomes a different playing field. And I think just the fact that the Devils kind of are still in in the mix of like you know who their real the best option at goalie is, 
yeah. uh, kind of just tells you. But it's such an advantage in hockey. It's such, yeah. especially in playoff hockey. Yes. So yep. then we um, just have to find a way to steal one. That's that's the mentality. Can we steal another one the way that we did the other night when we just played some great defense and we found a way to win? If they do that again, I mean, and you really like, if you can bring this back to New Jersey and. You know, let's not act like it's real home ice for the Devils anyway in New Jersey. It's, it's you know, it's MSG South. It's, it's 65, 70% Ranger fans, uh, which I kind of feel bad for the Devils. It's, you know, it's our, it's the only team we got here now. Uh, yeah, that's... New Jersey natives. But, but like you said, you said they're, you know, probably one or two years off. You know, they, who's, I don't think this is going to be like a flash in a pan. Jack Hughes isn't going anywhere. They're, I feel like they're only going to, you know, get better and uh, they're going to probably add to what looks like to be a pretty strong core. They had an unbelievable regular season. Um, yeah. and, you know, not writing their obituary either. Like, I think, again, I just spoke highly of Jack Hughes and just of watching him and, you know, some of the other guys in the Devils. The Devils could still, you know, spark something and, and go on a run very yeah. easily. You, you get one very, like I said about the Knicks. You get one, you know, very good Donovan Mitchell performance. You get one very good Jack Hughes performance that, you know, sparks something. And we got ourselves a series. Yeah, their, so, their window is going to exceed the Rangers by a lot. So if they drop this series like I think they're going to, they're, believe me, their their mindset is going to be like, we'll see them again. We'll get them back. Did you see, uh, did you see are you Volpe? Into that tonight or are you... No. What'd you say? Are you tuning into that tonight, or are you gonna are you gonna be more locked into? I know I know your seven TV setup. I get it, but are you more locked into Rangers Devils tonight or NBA? Um, I'm locked into to Devils Rangers tonight. I'll probably have honestly. I don't even know how much of the the early game I'm gonna put on. There's only two games in the NBA tonight. Seven thirty Bucks Heat. I honestly haven't even watched that series too too much. Um, I to me, if it gets interesting in the fourth quarter, I might throw it on. But uh, Yankees on at seven, Rangers on at seven. Probably gonna. That's gonna be my uh, little two TV setup. Um, let's let's move over to this little experimental uh, piece that I I guess we we yeah. thought of, and well, I don't know how well this. Volpe, give me the Volpe thing before we do this, because oh, all I was gonna it. do is was gonna ask if you saw uh, Aaron Judge and Harrison Bader with their son uh, Anthony Volpe at the game. Pretty nice to see that they bring their kids to the games. I did. Yes. Yeah, that was pretty cool. He does look like a. A child, for sure. Yeah, I, it, was, um, it was funny to watch him jump up to try and give Aaron Judge the little... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's like a... I feel like they need to stick that stick it to the... Only the big guys do it. Judge, Rizzo, Stan. going to be a t-shirt of that soon? With just like the figures of Volpe all the way down there? Judge I'm, here, I'm surprised there's not. Yeah. But there probably is one already. Um, yeah. But so let's get into this little, little segment we thought of. Um, you know, all whenever we always like talk about, or not we honestly, but like we always see when there's rumors and stuff, and people are like, "Oh my God, Aaron Judge just unfollowed the Yankees on Twitter. Is he going to get traded?" Da da da. So I thought it was pretty interesting that if we just did like a little yes or no sort of segment where I'm going to name an athlete. Uh, for right now, we'll stick to New York athletes, and I'm going to read you some names, and you're going to need to tell me. You don't necessarily have to give me a reason why you think they do or do not, but I will just, anyway. Just, that's the yeah, guy I am. just there you go. For the spirit of the game, give me a a does or does not and why. All right. Okay. And so let's get Instagram started. Vehicle. So this is this, this is this. We're gonna stick to Instagram for this one. I might change it up in the beginning. You might go to like venture off and like TikTok. I think that could be interesting. Uh, Twitter. We'll see. But this is strictly Instagram. Okay. We'll start with number one. Does. Jalen Brunson. These are all going to be Jalen Brunson for the first half. 
does Jalen Brunson follow Snooky? That's a good one. I'm I'm gonna start off with a no. Because I mean, listen, if he was like a born and bred New York guy, I probably would say yeah. Um, he, he doesn't come off to me as a Jersey Shore type of guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna say no there. I just don't think. Uh, he does follow <laughs> Snooky, indeed. As a matter of fact, um, the next one, uh, Seth Rogen. Yeah, a favorite to. of you and I. He has to. If he doesn't, I, I'm gonna think he's not cultured. Even though I don't think I follow Seth Rogen. He does not follow Seth oh, Rogen. Oh, um, this is this is follow that he follows, not follows him. Just yeah, to yeah, be clear. Um, next, Joey Gallo. Bonus points if you can tell me if they follow him back. Well, now I'm trying to think because so Joey Gallo didn't even want to show his face when he was in New York. So I'm trying to think if he was ever even at a Knicks game. Um, I'm going to say that they follow each other. They do very strangely follow each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Aaron Judge. Does he follow Aaron Judge? Mm Mm-hmm. And does Aaron Judge follow him back, if so? Like, so... The the thing is, if he follows Joey Gallo and not Aaron Judge, I might not watch the rest of the Knicks series. Um... So I want to say yes, he definitely does, but I also just think you're kind of you served me up with Joey Gallo first, so I would say yes. So I, I'm gonna say no. He does not follow Aaron Judge, which is kind of nozzly. It kind of pissed it me off no a little sense. bit. Yeah, no very sense. very silly. <laughs> um, all right, last one uh, for Jalen Brunson. I'll move on. To, I have another another person we'll get to. Another one, Scotty Scheffler. Does Jalen Brunson follow or not follow Scotty Scheffler? And does Scotty Scheffler follow or not follow Jalen Brunson back? I'm going to say Jalen Brunson follows Scotty Scheffler. Um, I don't know if Jalen Brunson follows golf or plays any golf. I just think Scheffler's kind of been winning lately, and maybe that just kind of, maybe he just smashed the follow button at some point. I don't believe that Scotty Scheffler follows him back, though. That is pretty spot on. Uh, no Scotty Scheffler follow back for Jalen Brunson, but Jalen Brunson does indeed follow Scotty Scheffler. So my dues for Jalen Brunson, Scotty Scheffler, Snooky, Joey Gallo, do not Aaron Judge and Seth Rogen. So what did I just go? Two and four? Well, you got Snooky wrong. You got Scheffler right. You got Gallo wrong. And you got Judge right. Okay. And Seth Rogen wrong. And set, okay. no, you two and, two and three. three. Yeah, two okay. Three. All right, so Off to a good start. 0 and, 0 and 1 here. Yep. Next one, we're going to go to the Mets. Starling Marte. Does Starling Marte follow Charlie Puth? You know, I think Starling Marte is a big Instagram kind of guy. Um, uh, he has gonna... 1,100, following 1,100 people, by the way. Just yeah, for okay. whatever that's worth. That's kind of a lot for an athlete, I feel. I'm going to say, yeah, he does He does follow Charlie Puth. Uh, no Charlie Puth follow for <laughs> Starling Marte. <laughs> I just I didn't think that the name that you would think of would be Charlie Puth, so I was like, he's gotta. Uh, no no uh, Charlie Puth there. Next one, Nick Kyrgios. One of your guys. Oh, Kyrgios? Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. He does. I, I couldn't yeah. confirm whether or not uh, Kyrgios follows him back, but uh, Marte does follow 
Yeah. Uh, Nick Kyrgios. Marte Next seems one. like a big like, Instagram reel kind of guy, so he probably saw Kyrgios a bunch of times and was like, yeah, I'll follow this dude. Okay, I like that thinking. The next one, Chris Christie. <laughs> um, no. He's not, I mean, he's not from around here. I just don't, you know, and I don't, I don't believe he would. He does not. <laughs> okay, good, good. Uh, all right, next one, uh, Theo Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, Instagram reels, he's got to. Yeah, you kind of killed me with that. That was like a perfect, that was kind of the angle I was going at. But uh, he does follow Theo Vaughn. I don't believe Theo Vaughn follows him back. And then the last one, Fabio Foran. Do I know who that is? He's the, he sounds like Pop Smoke a little bit. Um, He was on uh, City of Gods with Kanye, Off the Grid with Kanye. Okay, okay. Let's say yes. Uh, He does not. Okay. (laughs) You don't know, you don't know who Fabio Foran is? Now I do, but you know. Okay. All right, so what'd you go there? You got you actually got both the do's, and you got you said he did follow Charlie Puth, which is looking back and quite outrageous, but you know it's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a stretch. But um, all right, I like I like that. What did you think about that? That was good. That was fun. So did I? What did I go there? Did I at least win the Marte? Uh... Um, you got you got that he followed Theo Vaughn. You got that he followed Kirigos, right? Yeah. Um, and then you. You said no to. You said yes to Pew. You went three for, three for two, so three for three and two. Okay, I got it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, right, three cool. for five. I'll yeah. take the one and one there. One and one for you. Um, now let's go back to what do you want to do? Baseball, I guess. We have some have a little bit of time left. Let's get to. Let's talk about the Mets first. Actually, we start with the Yankees a lot. Um, the Mets are find themselves second in the NL East, fourteen and nine, and just lost two in a row. As a matter of fact. Um, split a series with the Giants to, you know, looking at how the Giants play, they should not have split that series with them, to be honest. Uh, I thought that, yep. I think the Mets are, you know, leaps and bounds better than the Giants. And I think there's going to be two games that, you know, the Mets, they, they beat the series against the Dodgers. Yeah. They, they sweep a series against the Athletics, but the last, I'd say the last two games weren't the, the prettiest yeah. of the games there. Very good series against the Dodgers. And then you split with the, with the Giants you know, the Mets are, are are a good team, but it's just been a little up and down, I think. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with you on, on how the, the A series went and how the last two games with the Giants went. I get it. But, you know, I mean, if you're going to go on, on a 10-game West Coast trip and you're going to go 7-3, and three, I'm not going to find myself being nitpicky. I think they've kind of found ways to, to win some games that they maybe shouldn't have, especially, you know, games against the Dodgers. Not that the Dodgers have been world beaters like they have been in the past, but... I mean, there's not a lot going for the Mets right now. I mean, so you're throwing kind of anyone on the mound at this point. And, you know, I mean, to to be winning games and be second in the division, I think that's huge because as much as we kind of kill Billy Epler um, and just say he hasn't done enough, you want to look at the trade deadline from last year. And, you know, anytime he does something that's, you know, game changing, we say, all right, well, you have unlimited money. Show me something else. I'm not the biggest Epler guy, but I think a lot of teams in Major League Baseball uh, wouldn't be able to survive losing, you know, four of your starting pitchers uh, around the same time. So I think they have some depth at that position, you know, whether it's McGill and I hate seeing David Peterson, but he's he's been able to slot in and kind of just be whatever. Um, so, no, I mean, I think they're playing well. I think that, like I said, I think the starting pitching has been better than you would think it's go- it was going to be. 
and the bullpen hasn't been as atrocious as I was afraid it was going to be. So, so far, so good for the Mets, as, as good as it could be. Um, it looks like Verlander might be able to pitch towards the end of the month, because I think he threw either yesterday or the day before, like 40-some pitches in a simulation game. So you hope that whatever was bothering him in the spring and why he was getting slapped around, you know, you hope that it was because there was something up. Because if he just fell off a cliff, like it seems like Scherzer might have. And we could talk a little bit about the Scherzer thing, even though you and I had a big conversation about it already. Um, You know, hopefully you get those two guys back and it's smooth sailing. Like I talked about with Nick, I love the way that Senga has been pitching. Uh, You know, for an unknown, you didn't know what you were going to get. And right now I think at least actively, he's the best pitcher in your rotation. You kind of needed that from him. He was a must-have uh, as your number three. He had to be at least the third best pitcher in this rotation, especially when you look at Car- Carlos Carrasco. Is just He's not really a major league pitcher anymore. Yeah. So those were the two big concerns. And then, uh, you know, we talked about offensively. My two biggest concerns offensively or in the lineup were third base and at catcher. And Alvarez hasn't looked great, but... I think Brett Beatty, who was absolutely raking in AAA, he's been able to come up and contribute, at least at least more than Escobar was. So, you know, they put a Band-Aid on that position for a while, and, you know, catcher's not great. I'm not sure exactly when you're going to get Navarez back. So I, I just, I think you have to be happy with what they've done so far, given kind of how worried we all were about the things that I just sort of listed there. So I agree with you, and I agree with you in a couple of things, and disagree with you in a couple of things. One, I agree with the overall statement that if you're a Met fan, given all the injuries they've had, you're happy. You know, fourteen to nine, and you now the next three games are you just again you went on a road trip, and what did you win seven of ten or something like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and then now you get three games against the Nationals, like you, yep. you which should be a sweep. This should the Mets need to sweep this because. Right after the Nationals, you play four games against the Braves. So, you know, the, losing two against the, I think, you know, like you said, winning seven of ten on the road. But then if you even, let's say, you split with the, uh, or go, Braves. let's say you go two and one. Or you let's say you win the, let's say you win the National Series and then split with the Braves. I think that's a win. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, at, yeah, this, yeah. at this point in the season. Um, the one thing I will say, though, is. Uh, yes, I, I think you're you're in, in saying that the the pitching the starting pitching staff has been decent. I think, in my opinion, is kind of talking them up a little bit. I think there's a a big problem that's going to be had soon. Like, I don't think they can keep rolling David oh, yeah. Peterson out there. You know, I, I and you know, you better hope that Verlander comes back and fills that role because you know how it is when pitchers get back. It takes you know two three starts for them to get you know get their legs under them and. You know, it could be another, you know, month of David Peterson where right now David Peterson's like almost a, a loss yeah, every five yeah. days. No, so, I mean, you're right. And that was that was really my whole point. I just mean up to this point, I just think you have to be happy that it hasn't really been a, a colossal, you know, it hasn't impacted you like crazy to this point. That's all. Yeah. But well, yeah, and, and then down the road, yeah, it can absolutely be a problem. That's why it, the whole season rests on Scherzer and uh, Verlander. Yeah, uh, rest, I think to say that is is perfect because it does it literally almost verbatim rests on their shoulders in a way yeah um so uh you know they the Mets again Pete Alonso's on pace for a million home runs that's awesome it'll be amazing to see him you know start getting into you know the 50 home run you know silver slugger home run derby conversations that always heat up in the middle of the year 
Um, I think he's definitely going to be there. Um, Jeff McNeil started the season off a little slow. Now he's up to 296. He's been on fire. Brandon Nimmo could make the argument that he's the best signing of this the entire offseason across the entire yeah. league right he's now. Been best, um, he's been the best center fielder in baseball thus far. So you yeah, he's happy about that. He's great. And then the only other two worries is, or not only other two, but after that, the lineup gets a little, you know, Marte's a great player. I don't really have doubts with him, but he's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start. Uh, like you said, the catching position's up in the air. Volgoback has played pretty well, um, but you're hoping Alvarez and Beatty can kind of come in and, and kind of assist on the, the back end of the lineup there. Um, let me ask you this. At, at what point do do the Braves pull away and you start getting nervous? And I'm going to parlay this into the Yankees because the the Rays are, again, we'll get to like the Yankees in a minute, but the Rays are kind of just forgetting how to lose. Uh, and, you know, at what point do you start looking at the, you know, games behind Mark and say, all right, we got to start worrying here. Is it is it like 10? Well, the thing is, I kind of said on... You're only a half game back right now, just for what it's worth. Right. No, I know. But I kind of did, you know, when I spoke to Nick on the last show, we did kind of say, you know what, like, maybe the Mets aren't, they're not going to be able to overtake Atlanta this year. So, I mean, worried, I don't know, um, because I'm kind of expecting them to finish second anyway, and they're going to, you know, they're going to be dealt the same uh, sort of situation they were last season, and you hope that this year you come up with a different result. I'm expecting a wild card round for the Mets this year. So worry, I don't know, but um, I guess if the Braves go up seven, seven, six games, I probably just am able to actually just let it go and say, all right, well, then we're going to have to settle like I thought that they probably were going to have to. Okay. I, I you know, I, I don't, I think the Mets, in my opinion, I think that the Mets should really be trying to take over that that plays in the NL East. You know, they've, to me, it's just been, they've been, they're always chasing the Braves, right? And they finally, last year, they finally got ahead of the Braves and they couldn't, they couldn't finish it. I almost want them to like, I think it'd be smart for the Mets to almost tread water and face all these injuries and keep themselves within like that four or five game area behind the Braves so that when they get healthy, they can really turn it on and, and win some games. So I think, you know, as I, long as I think that if they stay in that range, that three to five or six game range with the Braves um, around the midpoint of the season, I, I really think they're going to make splashes like yeah. big ones. I think I think they're definitely poised to it, um, poised to be in that position for sure. Um, let's move over to the Yankees a little bit, because a little bit more of a worry on my end for the Yankees Um Yankees sit at 13 and nine, uh, third in the AL East. Uh, they're actually tied with the Blue Jays. I actually thought the Blue Jays uh, were ahead of them technically, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Third, they're tied for third or fourth in the AL East. Um, the Orioles are 14 and seven, and the Rays are 19 and three above them. It, just unbelievable. Uh, I don't think either team is going to keep that pace. Obviously, I don't think the the Rays are going to win 140 games, but. Uh, the, and I don't think the, the Orioles are going to win a hundred. So, um, I think that the Yankees will find themselves, you know, they're six back right now. Uh, I think I'm not exactly sure when they play the Rays. I think they actually play them. They play them in a three game set in the beginning of May, which will be huge. Um, but honestly for the Yankees, their lineup's looking scary right now. Uh, not, not good scary either. And, and a couple other things too, you know, Stan's hurt, Donaldson's hurt, Bader's coming back, should be back in like a week or so, which will be a huge boost to the outfield. Um, but, I mean, this bench is like, I was listening to John Boy the other day. You know, IKF's playing center field now, right? And 
and it's almost like all Yankee fans are in agreement. Yeah, ICAF's cool. We're, we're cool to have ICAF in center field now. Take a step back and like think how scary that is to think about. Like we can all agree that IKF is the best option in center field. How what does it say about the rest of the guys on the bench? Well, can, can like Hicks can, for set for one instance. Well, I know that you will have an answer for this, um, so I'm not asking it like facetiously. Why yeah. why don't you put Judge out there? Why isn't he the center field option? Because like what well, what does that affect? Well, I think I think that they. They would rather Judge play. They for whatever reason they love. They do put Judge out there somewhere, but I think they want Judge to to have the stability in right field. And in Yankee Stadium, they love the way he plays right field. Uh, but he's played center field in Yankee Stadium, and I think it's just like I think IKF. Uh, they I think he's only started. He's only played center field this season too. So I don't know how much you know they they deem outfielders. It's not like a little league outfield. Like there's they have intricacies where they. You know, we'll say like, all right, this guy's only playing left field, or this guy's only playing right field. Why they don't put Judge in in center field? I right now, I personally don't know. Uh, you know, the the exact answer why, other than the Yankees just love the stability of it of him being in right field. But they'll put him there from time to time. But you know, if you have a big center field, it's it's. I think it depends on the field too, right? Like, so if you're in Yankee Stadium, you're fine with putting IKF in center field because it's not the craziest center field in the world. But yeah. if you go to a, a huge ballpark, you know, you know, let's say, uh, you know, Miami or, or another one of these just notoriously big ballparks, you want a better center fielder out in center field than just, yeah. you know, IKF. So uh, I think it's it's kind of I mean, the Yankees bench right now is let me know if one of these names excites you or should be IKF, Willie Calhoun, Frenchie Cordero, uh, Aaron Hicks. That's their bench. Yeah, I like Cordero a little bit. That's about it. Oh, that's it. A little bit, and that's it. Yeah. Like that's the. I I understand. Like you can't you can't plan to to have superstars back up superstars. I get it, but at some point, like you know, even I think even Yankee fans would tell you they'd rather see like you know get Peraza every day run. They put they put Peraza at third base uh, a couple times this week. Uh, that's fine. Let's get him in there now. Like instead of having these guys who are like, you know, not no slight to Willie Calhoun or Frenchie Cordero, but what's like the upside of these guys, Aaron Hicks? What's the upside that they become average major league players? Like, yeah. let's. Ha- why don't you get a guy like a Peraza to play every single day? And his upside could be that he could be a staple for your the next ten years of your franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, some of the, some of the moves are very frustrating. Um, Clark Schmidt uh, inability to get lefties out continuously is haunting the Yankees. Uh, they're going to, I'm actually interested to see next time they play a very like lefty dominant offense. I'm interested to see if they actually will go ahead and skip Clark Schmidt. Clark Schmidt pitched pretty well yesterday, but um, I, I still think that, you know, these their teams are just going to stack lefties against him and it's going to be a really prob- big problem for them. Uh, the Yankees start a big series against the twins this week. Um, the twins are definitely no joke. Then they go to the, to the Rangers. They're also no joke. Uh, they're, I think they're on like a 10-game road swing here. And uh, look, it, it can get ugly. Uh, it really could. This this lineup, you know, if they're rolling out a lineup of, let's just say, uh, Volpe, Judge, Rizzo, Glaber, and then it gets scary after that. Uh, Oswaldo, maybe, if you want to put in there. I mean, Bader. You know, they're going to need some real help. And I think, you know, where we said the Mets are poised, are going to be poised to make a big splash to add on. 
I think Yankees might be in a position of like necessity almost where like they're going to need to make a move yeah. for something. So give me, I don't know if you have any status updates on these two guys, but um, Stanton and Rodone, what is it looking like? So Stan, I believe they said is going to be out, I would say close to a month total. So I think we're almost at like the week point now. Um, you know, they're, they're always very skeptical with Stan. Uh, they're probably when the Yankees roll guys back, he'll probably go to, you know, Somerset for a day or two and then bring him back to the majors and like a DH role. I, I can't see Stan sniffing the outfield until August, yeah. you know, September. Um, that which sucks because I was over here prior to the season saying that, you know, at some point you got to start sticking in the outfield and then maybe go get yourself another bat to play DH or just the DH. But going to be tough to see that happen. And then Rodone, I believe he threw a bullpen uh, maybe Saturday. And then uh, I think he was fine. He's been fine after that. I think they said like two weeks or so he, he could be back after, you know, if everything goes well, which is good. I mean, I think they're the Yankees are have this way of thinking with their injuries, especially their big signings with Rodone that uh, we just want you healthy in September and October. That's it. You know, like we'll get there. Don't worry. We'll figure it out. We'll plug the we'll plug in the Frenchie Corderos. We'll plug in the the Davy Garcias, the Luis Heels, and we'll figure it out. But just be healthy by like you know September and fully kicking in September, and then we'll, we can start talking. I think that's what I've grown accustomed to in Yankee thinking. So. Um, yeah, but again, this, this lineup, you're a pitcher, you, you know, once you get past, once you get past four, even three, you know, if Glaber's not hot, there's not much there you're worried about, right? You know, four through nine are, are, you know, very, very gettable outs for the Yankees right now. And it's a tough way to win. Uh, and then I guess the last note I have, and I, I definitely want your opinion on this too. I'm, you know, Volpe's electric love all the stories they hear about him love seeing him out there with judge but look man there's we're you know 25 games into the season now or so uh let's let's get to you know once we get to that 40 point mark if you're still hitting under 200 or right around that 200 mark i don't know how much your stolen bases are going to matter yeah in terms of volpe yeah i mean i I think right now the yankees aren't I don't. I don't think the Yankees are worried yet. I mean, not to pour cold water over uh, all over what the Rays are doing, but I mean, their biggest test has been that one series against Toronto so far, um, and they they head into a series with Houston tonight. So we'll see what they're actually made of. Um, but no, I think the Yankees they find they're going to find themselves, you know, right right uh, around the top of the division in you know a couple months or whatever, and guys will be back and and they'll be the Yankees again. I think they've been through this too many times to be worried. Um, you know, last year was kind of the reverse of this, but same same sentiment. I think that they'll find themselves back up there. Well, the thing is, like, I, I at the end of the day, I agree with you, but like, it's almost like sometimes when you get to this point, it's like you start like seeing less and less of how they can do that. Like, yeah. like you know, where I was always like, at the end of the day, no matter how bad ICAF was last year, there's going to be someone that was able to say, "Let's call up Volpe." Now, like, what is that option? Is it? I don't think they're going to call. Up, could they call up Dominguez as like a spark and later in the year? I, I don't know if that even helps. No. You know what I will say though, and I was this is just off the top of my head. I kind of just thought about this now as I was just speaking. You know, maybe Stanton, not you know them handling Stanton with you know glo- very bubble wrapish. I'll yeah. say Kid maybe that opens up a an avenue for them to call up Dominguez towards the end of the year and, and be, you know, have another actually fielding outfield position open up. 
possibly just me thinking. Um, but I don't know. Tough for me to say. I mean, what was the discourse on Dominguez this season? Like, what was his ETA prior to this? Like, was anyone expecting to see him this season? Or because you really don't want to call him up just out of what you think is emergency uh, if he's not ready. Well, he he won't be the first. Like, they signed like Cole Calhoun. Uh, they they have like guys who have like MLB experience that are there in in the minors that'll play in, in like a spot start. But what I'm saying is more so like, all right, post trade deadline. We've done everything that we can. We don't want to put Stan in the outfield. We've let's just say we've cut ties with Hicks. We realize IKF isn't really an outfielder. You know, we'll get, we've gotten out of the Frenchie Cordero phase. We've gotten out of the Willie Calhoun phase. What's our best option for you know the next three months uh, in the outfield? And the answer very well could be Dominguez, given what what they do or don't do at the deadline. Who gets healthy? You never know. I mean, Harrison Bader, not for nothing, knock on wood, has had injury history in the past. This isn't like the first time he's been injured in his career. So who's to say that his injury status holds up uh, or his health holds up? It's I, I just don't I don't like being in a Yankees position where like you're just walking on eggshells and there's really, really very little options right now. Yeah. So it's, yeah. There's, there's no influx of anything other than relief pitching. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm just honestly long show, but I think we didn't even touch on Rogers. Really. That'll be for a whole different show. Uh, NFL draft. Is it this week or next? So it's the, this week, right? It's the 27th. Uh, I think, I think it's, yeah, I think it's this Thursday. Yep. Yeah. This, this Thursday night. So, uh, we'll be on to recap that we'd be lying to you if we said, you know, we're some sort of draft experts. So we're just yeah. not even going to get into yeah. that. We'll assess after the fact, but, yeah. um, uh, I think Islanders, now Islanders funeral might be tomorrow. Oh yeah. Didn't even mention the Islanders. So how's John Doolin doing? He's I doing mean, good. Uh, he was uh, sitting behind Stu Finer and then yeah. in the, uh, in the, I forget what the, the restaurant is called, but I've seen him multiple Borelli's. times. What was it called? Borelli's. It's that Borelli's Borelli's Borelli's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That is correct. Um, doing well. Um, we'll, I'll let you know how he's doing after this yeah. potential Islanders series, but uh, anything else you want to add? Um, let's go Knicks. Let's go Knicks. Close it out. Let's not get, let's not get sweating. You know, let's talk, let's be here next week and, or next episode and talk about how great the series was and let's move on to, what is that? We're on to Cincinnati. Yeah. The, uh, the, the famous NFL quote, we're on to Cincinnati. So, um, thank you all for listening. Follow us on all of our socials and as always, peace out. Go Knicks. Go Knicks.